0: God has gone to extraordinary lengths to have a relationship with you. And because of that, that gives us the capacity, it gives you the capacity to build incredible relationships with all the people around you. Hi, I'm Louis Giglio with Passion City Church, and I'm so excited to introduce you to Relatable. Relatable six-week small group resource that's literally for everyone. Relationships are tricky, whether it's a husband and wife or whether it's a mom and dad trying to have a better relationship with a son or daughter, whether it's a son or daughter wanting to have a better relationship with mom or dad. might be some unresolved conflict from the past or you may be in that single season of life and you just want to prepare yourself for the person that God has planned for you. Well, I believe as we're able to receive what God is giving us and continue to do that, it's going to affect our ability to have meaningful and successful relationships with all the people in our lives. So I want to invite you to join me as we explore together how receiving God's love and embracing God's grace will unlock in us the ability to have a great relationship with God, with our family, with our friends, and ultimately with ourselves. So I hope to see you in Relatable.
1: Every one of us finds ourselves at war in our brains every single day. We've bought this lie that we are a victim to our thoughts, we are at war. In the next six weeks, we're gonna look at the scriptures. You're gonna see again and again this truth, that we have authority. We have a choice between chaos and quiet, between noise and solitude with God, between denial and healing. Next time you're stuck in a downward spiral of distraction, choose stillness. God knows that where we will find contentment is actually not thinking so much about ourselves. You are not helpless because God lives inside of you. He knows that we are not going to get all this right. He knows that we are not going to be perfectly holy and perfectly single-minded people all the time, yet He died anyway. We choose to obey Him no matter how we feel. This is our mindset free. It's our upward spiral. We have a choice. We forget. The Bible doesn't call us victims. It calls us warriors. And we were built to fight the greatest battle in our generation, this battle of our minds.
2: Judgment House is coming to your area. Don't miss your chance to experience Judgment House this year. Over 5 million people have experienced this live drama about the truth of people's choices and their consequences. Reservations are recommended but not required. Judgment House is not recommended for children under 10. Judgment House. Tour your final destination.
3: Good morning, everybody. Let's stand together and worship this morning.
2: Giver of every breath I breathe, author of all eternity. Giver of every perfect thing, to you be the glory. Of heaven and earth, no one can comprehend Your word King over all the universe, You the glory. I'm alive because I'm alive in You. It's all because of Jesus. I'm It's all because of the blood of Jesus Christ that covers me and raises this dead man's life It's all because of Jesus of all eternity giver of every perfect thing to you be the glory maker of heaven and of earth no one can comprehend your word king over all the universe to you be the glory Because I'm alive in you. It's all because of Jesus I'm alive. It's all because the blood of Jesus Christ. cause of jesus every sunrise sings your praise the universe cries out your praise Christ
1: That covers me And raises This dead man's
2: life It's all Because of Jesus Yes it's all Because of Jesus I'm alive It's all the blood of Jesus Christ that covers me and raised this dead man's life it's all because of Jesus I'm alive
3: certainly is amazing to see everybody this morning. I hope you're excited to be in worship and just to see what God wants to do and how the Holy Spirit is going to speak to your heart today. Just know that right now the Holy Spirit is already with us. We don't have to invite his presence as followers of Jesus Christ. If that's where you stand with him, you already have the Holy Spirit and he is already prepared to teach you and show you his truth today. So I just invite you to remove distractions out of the way. Get your hearts and your minds focused on him and to tune into what he wants to say to you because he will speak and he will change our lives today for sure. Um, as far as announcements go, you have a bulletin. Make sure you check out everything that's in there. There's lots of great things coming up um, in the life of our church right now. Um, as, we, as we get things rolling again and, and start to gather more and uh, have things, including great outreach events going on, make sure that you know what's happening and you're informed so you can be connected and involved with those things um, as well. Well, uh, since we can't shake a hand, hug a neck, here's what I'd like for you to do today. I want you to turn, face around somewhere, and just give somebody like a thumbs up, or maybe like a I love you from a distance, so that you know that you are loved and welcomed and that we're excited to see you here at church today.
2: I still when striving cease My comforter My all in all Here in the love Of Christ I stand In Christ alone Who took on flesh Fullness of God In helpless pain This gift of love Has lost its grip on me, for I am his, and he is mine, but with the precious blood.
3: The amazing promise that once we belong to you, nothing can separate us from you. Father, because of that beautiful promise, I pray that we will be motivated to stay connected with you, to be intentional in our relationship with you, in the time that we spend with you, in how we listen for your voice through your word, through silence through prayer, God, so that you can equip us and empower us for the work that you called each of us individually to do for your kingdom. God, continue to teach us this morning, Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts, remove distractions. I pray in Christ's name, amen. Amen. Well,
4: good morning. It's good to see you this morning. A little chilly this morning, but it's good. Uh, we've, I guess, we've officially entered into fall, and uh, this time of year we get to vote, don't we? You going to? Yeah, I guess so. So here's here's the deal. There is a a box. I want the box. You have to give the box away. Oh, okay, all right, Dana. Um, so this is the box. I can just hold it up higher. So this is the box for Operation Christmas Child voting. So you get to vote on which one of these different boxes over here, to my right, your left. Well done. Um, that that you like the best, and I and I guess you could you could qualify it in any way you want to, whether it's cuteness or sound effects or. Um, anything else you want to but use this box to vote for one of those and the winner of the votes that are collected from this ballot box um get all the things that are in that basket so so um i want to ask you to vote well and you can vote for the adult box if you wish just a subliminal suggestion um and um and we'll see what God does with Operation Christmas Child over the next several weeks. Um, packing party will be November 15th. Okay, got to fill them. All right, so that's, so that's the deal. So would you open to the book of Ephesians? It's where we're at uh, during this season, we're talking about Ephesians as we go all the way up to Thanksgiving, and you know that um, Paul wrote this letter um, he wrote it to the church in this trade city of Ephesus of about 600,000 people. It was the location of the Temple of Artemis. And there's a, a picture on the screen of the Temple of Artemis. There it is. Um, now, it doesn't look like that today. Last week, you may have seen the, the picture of the ruins of that. But that's what it looked like in its heyday. Now, that's not... It, obviously, it's an artist rendering because nobody was there to take a picture. But that's what it would have looked like. It's one of the seven wonders of the world, and it was the center, the, the centerpiece for the capital city of Ephesus. Um, they worshipped Artemis. they, they worshipped Diana. and And Paul walks into Ephesus as a as a church planter and a proclaimer of the gospel into this pluralistic society that and proclaimed Christ, pro, proclaimed that salvation came only through Christ. And so it created a stir, and you remember last week we asked the question, are you all in? And we said that you are chosen, you're redeemed, you're united in Christ and sealed by the Holy Spirit. And Paul wanted his readers to know this because he wanted them to know who God was, the hope that was available in Christ. He wanted them to be connected as a body, the saints connected together, and to know the power of God that is available to them. So Paul kind of laid that out in the first chapter and we said that new life in Christ should saturate every part of our life. If we truly belong to Christ we don't separate or compartmentalize life. We don't say okay my Christian life or my church life is here um, but when I go to work on Monday or to school or wherever I go, it's over here and it's separated from that. That's not what Paul is suggesting in Ephesians chapter one. He's saying that those things, that that life in Christ, ought to ought to so saturate your life, it, it ought to be evident in every place that you go and everybody you talk to. So that's what Paul is talking about here, and we um, we. Purposefully skipped the last couple verses of Ephesians chapter 1. I want to read those because Paul is going to set the stage for what is coming in the rest of his letter to this church. In chapter 1, verse 22, and, he, and Paul writes this He says, And he put all things under his feet, talking about Christ, who is above all rule in, with authority and power and dominion. He put all things under his feet and gave him his head. Over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So we understand from this last part of this first chapter that Paul is setting this foundation for the church and the people of the church. You know we said that the the church is made up of those that belong to Christ, and with Christ as the head of that group of people. And when we take Take that into consideration. It it means something to us. it, it is a uh, what Paul is doing here is he's basically speaking against this worship of Artemis and Diana, and he's setting the stage for this idea of what the church looks like. And we like to vote. We and you may say, no, I don't like to vote. Actually, we do. Um, we don't think about it as voting so much, but in this season. We talk about voting by mail, voting in person um, for, for presidents and, and senators and, and things like that. And so we may vote in a polling booth or a polling place, um, but we also vote with our wallet. And we vote with our checkbooks. We vote with our online presence. Uh, we vote in a lot of different ways. We vote with our voice and we vote with our feet. And when was the last time you voted with your feet? You didn't like some, something that some company did, and you decided, my feet are not going to go there. They're going to go someplace else. You voted. It's a vote. And we all have these votes. And we have the same same kind of thing when we talk about church. We vote in different ways in church. It's a different kind of vote. Because voting is influence. It's influence. And when we vote, we try to influence something. We influence to get our way or to make a statement. And and I know for me when I vote that I've got to check a couple of things. I've got to check my motivation. You know, am I going to, in a parking lot because somebody cut me off, am I going to go um, just a little bit slower down the next aisle in front of them to make sure that my vote is heard? You know, there's, there's different ways to vote. And so... I've got to check my motive, and, and it's, it's the idea of what is it at stake. And so there are ways that we vote in church. We talk about church vote when you think, and this is where the motive check is, when you think your position or the amount of money you give gives you uh, or affords you some special privilege, then you're wrong. You don't get special privilege because you give more or because you hold a particular leadership position. The the flip side of that is also true. When when um, you use the threat of leaving a church or a ministry, or holding back on giving, what the Bible says is your tithe, when you hold back, you are voting. And it's wrong. You may say, well, I don't like what you just said. Argue with God. Because what what we talk about when we talk about um making those kind of statements i'm not going to give because i disagree with something or i'm going to leave the church because i disagree with something or i'm just not going to show up because i disagree with something what you're doing is you're saying i want to be in charge of the church and you you usurp the authority that is set out as paul writes the authority of christ as head over the church you're saying i want authority i want to be in charge And if I can be in charge by my vote, by not giving or walking or threatening or whatever it happens to be, or by using my influence a certain way, then I'm saying that my vote or my authority or my position is more important than what Christ is, what His authority is. And so if we attempt to usurp the authority of Christ with our own authority, it is sin and it requires repentance. It's not optional. It requires repentance. Now, we vote because we want to gain advantage. I watched a little, a little bit of football yesterday, and, and there were some things that I didn't like, and there were some other things I like. Like, I know that one of our church members, or, or a family of our church members, were ecstatic last night at the end of this game between two teams that wore red, and or crimson, and red. Uh, um, I also know that there was there was a group of people that were upset and probably disheartened by that game. And and you can look at it and it's as if in the second half of that game, as Alabama's taking control over Georgia, that this, the field was slanted. When we talk about a field being slanted, it's about the the idea of advantage. When I was growing up, we played on fields that were slanted. And you would always go, "Hey, can we switch sides now? Because I want the same advantage that you've had for this amount of, this amount of plays or this amount of our game. And we look for that advantage. We want the field to be slanted our direction. And when we look at Ephesians chapter two, we're going to realize that we're not talking about a slanted field. The, the, the playing field is leveled at the foot of the cross. It's different than being on a football field and having it slanted. It's different than thinking I get an advantage because of giving or threatening or whatever it happens to be. Ephesians 2 sets all things in a place for us to understand who we are in Christ and what our role is in the church. Ephesians chapter 2, starting at verse 1. Now, that's a mouthful. But Paul breaks it down for us, and, and he says this He says, um, You have an incriminating past. We all have an incriminating past. He describes us as dead. You realize that the people that are dead have very little influence. Now, they may have said something that we hold on to, some quote. Or, or they've done something that has influenced us, but, but they cannot in the present get up out of a grave and begin to speak. I mean, you can walk out in that cemetery this morning, if you want to, and go out there, and my guess is that nobody's going to pop up and start telling you something. In fact, I'm pretty sure Paul describes us as dead, lifeless, having no influence, and he talks about it in terms of being dead in our trespasses and sin. It's a condition in which we were. It's a pattern. First thing is, it's, it's a pattern. that We walk, it's following the course, the course of this world. And what is the course of this world? What does the world tell us about what we are and who we are? Well, the world tells us, that we have to match up or live up to what our neighbor is or we have to live up to this particular image or we need to be this, this way politically or whatever it happens to be, the world is going to have an opinion on how you ought to live life. And what Paul's laying out for us, he says, you're dead in your trespasses and you once walked according to this pattern where you follow what the world says as opposed to Christ. And so there's a pattern that you followed under the power of the prince of this world. And the prince of this world and the pattern of life that we're in under sin and trespasses means that we sought out things according to our own pride, our inward desires versus an outward push, and the idea of entitlement. You say, man, you're a sure fool of good news this morning. We'll get there. But in this particular thing, we're talking about this pattern that we were in under the power of Satan, and it still exists. I probably don't even need to tell you that. All you have to do is watch about 30 minutes of any news channel, and you'll realize that Satan still has a hold. There's a presence that existed. This idea of once walked or once lived in a, in a way the New American Standard says formerly walked, it means that something is turned upside down. Or, or we could even describe it as that 180 degrees that, that Dr. Chuck talked about at homecoming, that, that moving from a, a pattern of following after what Satan would lay out for us, and we don't think of it like that, but that's what it is, it's a deceptive way of walking and turning to God and trusting him with our life. We once walked like that. And then he describes us as being children of wrath. Our past life apart from Christ makes us liable for the penalty of sin and God's judgment. And we've we've kind of tossed God's judgment to the side, haven't we? in a lot of ways we focus on the love of God toward us and and it's true that he loves us immensely but he's also a righteous judge and we dismiss the the judging part of God we we basically swing a pendulum one direction and only take into account part of God's character God is also a judge and when it says that we were dead in our trespasses and sin we were liable for the penalty of that sin under the wrath or the judgment of a holy and righteous God. Romans 1 talks about this revealing of God but no recognition of God. You can look that up. And then Hebrews 9.27 says, it is appointed for man once to die and then the judgment. A judgment is basically a decision. A decision on a holy God's part about you and about me, and about our neighbors, and about everyone that we live around. We were dead and doomed. The second point for us this morning as we get a little further into this um, is that we have an impressive potential. An impressive potential. Verse 4 says, God, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved and raised us up with him and and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. And then these verses that we're really familiar with. For by grace you've been saved through faith and this is not your own doing it is the gift of god not a result of works so that no one may boast for we are his workmanship created in christ jesus for good works which god prepared before him before god prepared beforehand that we should walk in them so the second part is that we have an impressive potential um, I went back just as part of getting ready for this. You think this is kind of strange, but I pulled out my high school yearbook. Now, How many of you still have your high school yearbook? You know where it's at. Okay, there are a lot of things in your high school yearbook that if you went back and looked at it, you go, I, I don't remember that, or um, "or that's a surprise. Um, there is no place in my high school yearbook where it lists my name and says, um, that this is the potential for this person. It doesn't say um, we think Bob is going to be best at or, or any of those kind of things. Um, no one ever wrote that, that that it's likely that I would be a pastor. In fact, if you knew me when in, in high school, that would have been probably the last thing that you would have written in that yearbook. And, and yet, you know, and I don't even show Deb my yearbook. The, um, there's things in there that, I just don't need to see again. It's none of that least likely stuff. But when we talk about potential in Christ, it's different. God writes a different story than we may have written in our own yearbook. God writes a story of incredible potential. It's, it's God is rich in mercy and his love toward us. And he moved us from death to life with Christ. That's that power of the resurrection applied to our lives So when we were dead and lost and doomed in our our sins and trespasses, God took us and gave us great potential in Christ when He applied the power of the resurrection to us and sealed us with the Holy Spirit. You remember the line from the song we just did? "No, No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand. That's the idea that that we have when we are in Christ and have the potential that we find in Him. When God applies mercy to a life, it is worthy of celebration. And so we could could go into this um, even further talking about this grace that's been applied and realize that we don't earn that. There's nothing that we can do to earn God's favor or His mercy. God gives us that. It's a gift of God. So when we were dead, when we didn't deserve anything, God bestowed on us his grace and mercy. So while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So this is this whole idea of being once dead, now alive, brings brings into play some things about how we ought to live life. It brings the, the idea that we should value human life. You see, because I'm no greater than Wayne, Wayne's no greater than me, and we could go around the room and say the same thing. We were all dead in our trespasses. We've been brought alive in Christ. And yet we could say the same thing for anybody that we run into today, whether it's in church or out of church. And so we value every human life. We value that baby born there, that baby in the womb. And so we oppose abortion. We value life in the streets. We oppose oppression and racism and disrespect. And we must live in the recognition that all men are created equal and there is no dividing wall. You say, where are you getting that? Well, let's go a little bit further into Ephesians chapter 2. The third point in the outline this morning is we have an inspiring path. Look what it says in in chapter 2 starting at verse 13. But now in Christ, and this is going to be a memory verse for you, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one, and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of the commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man, In place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. So we can just stop right there for a second because he's talking about this difference between being circumcised and uncircumcised, being Jewish or Gentile. He's saying he's bringing it all together. And it says in verse 17 And he came and preached peace to you who were far off, and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. So when somebody accepts Christ, are they any less a person in the kingdom of God? Oh, they're the same. Exactly the same. So it doesn't really matter In church, whether you're giving a lot or giving a little, with respects to your life in Christ and your citizenship. It does affect your obedience, but it doesn't affect that relationship as far as being saved and secure by the Holy Spirit in the body of Christ. It says here that Jesus is our peace. He's our peace. He's our reference point. And so if Jesus is our peace and He becomes that reference point, He lays out for us the pattern in which we should live. So it's no longer according to the pattern of this world. It's according to the pattern of Christ. So when we look at Jesus' example, how should we live? How, How should we conduct ourselves? Not only is He our peace, He's our power. He breaks down the walls that divide. See, there's no possibility of sustained peace between people of different races, ideologies, or priorities apart from the power of Jesus Christ applied to their lives. Another way to put this would be this. Don't expect peace apart from the power of Christ and the cross. Can't expect it. So we say, man, I want all the disgruntledness of society to go away tomorrow. It will never happen apart from the cross. It will never happen. He also provides permanence or new citizenship. You see, if we are citizens of of heaven, if that's our, our place that we're going when we die because of our relationship with Jesus Christ, we live by a different set of rules. You say, what do you mean we live by a different set of rules? We have to follow all the laws yet yeah, we ought to follow all the, law, all the laws and then go a step further. We've been bought by the blood of Christ, and our lives ought to exemplify who we are in Christ. Our standard is higher. Eternity, it's an eternity-influenced standard. It's the way we vote, because voting is influence. And so I'm going to ask some questions. Why? Why? Why should we recognize that we all have an incriminating past? One, because it's the truth. We all do. But when we recognize that, we realize that we also can acquiesce to the power of our sin nature. We have, um, we're not immune to reverting back to what we used to be. You know, if you don't pursue this life in Christ, you will begin to do the things that you did prior. You'll begin to do the things that don't follow the pattern. Romans 7, 18 and 19, Paul describes this to to the Roman church. He says, For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. See, even Paul You say, man, Paul is a saint. Yeah. Paul's up here. He's he's like right next to God. Wrote books of the Bible and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And he still struggled. Uh, The struggle with our sin nature does not go away when we accept Christ. That's why it's important that we discipline ourselves to be in God's word, to be in prayer, to continue to be in the fellowship with other believers is because we can so easily revert to that which we know as a pattern in our life before Christ. And the second question, why should I recognize the impressive potential for my life and the lives of others? Because if we don't recognize the potential, we can easily get into uh, a victim's mentality. We can begin to think that everything that happens to me is the cause is the cause of my issue, or or that somebody else has placed something on me that keeps me from pursuing what I need to pursue? We recognize that we have potential when we surrender our life to Christ. We we see some hope in that. Third thing is why bother consideration of an inspired path because it's the hope in Christ and the ultimate victory through Christ that we can we can survive and that we can have a positive attitude about what's coming next. We spend all our time watching CNN, MSNBC, and Fox. We'll be depressed. It'll lead to depre- depressive kind of conversations. And so we look at God's word and we say, there's hope because of Christ. There's no hope in the politicians that we're looking at right now. There's no hope in in some kind of um, justice approval or law that's written or stimulus package. There's no hope in that. The only hope that really exists is the hope that, uh, that applies through Christ. So what do we do? For us, if voting is influence, we have to vote with our lives, and we vote this way. First thing we do is we compare how we live now with how we lived before Christ. Now, it's an evaluation. We know that. It's really the first point. When you give your testimony, you talk about what my life was like before Christ. When Before I knew Christ, my life was a mess. The yearbook kind of shows that. Well, my life was a mess. And, and I did things that, you know, if I, if I kind of listed out the things that I did before Christ, you go, oh my. Don't, we, we don't even want to talk to you. And, and a lot of us would have those kind of stories of life before Christ. And if I want to guard from reverting back to the pattern of my old life, then I need to continually keep it in check. And so the first point Uh, Of this is to evaluate. Evaluation keeps the direction of your life in check. Second thing is to to reject the idea that God is political, racist, or aligned with those who are. Choosing sides on behalf of God assumes God might willingly violate his character. So think about that for just a second. Because God's God's going to guard His own character and holiness, and He's not going to align with any anyone who is on the opposite end of, uh, on the opposite side of what His character is. So God will not willingly violate His own character. God is neither red nor blue. God is God. Third thing is to help others know that the, that the church or this church. And an encounter with you is a safe place to have conversations about faith issues. People are skeptical of organizations and people that by perception, and hear this because it may not even necessarily be true, but by perception align with a political party. I understand that that puts us in a great in a great place of tension. But I want to tell you that even in this room, we not, may not agree politically across the board. We may agree on certain things. We may say because I recognize the value of human life in the womb, that I'm going to be against abortion. But we may have very different views about immigration. We may have very different views about how much should be in some stimulus package that'll be presented to, to, um, to the country and how that's supposed to be divvied up uh, among the nation. We may have very different views of that. We may have different views of how our president tweets. We may not. But there's, we could have all kinds of different views. Well, what the, the perception of those that are not in Christ need to see the church as those that represent Christ more than we represent a political party or a particular viewpoint. It's only then can you have those conversations about faith issues. So people are skeptical of organizations that by perception pick sides. So what's a, the, how do we conclude? Well, first thing is we have a responsibility to vote. And I would encourage you to vote. I would encourage you to vote once. Because I'm pretty sure it's illegal if you vote twice. So vote once. Vote soon. Pray hard. Because voting is influence. There's four things I want you to remember about voting. And I'm trying to make this really easy. So we're going to use the acrostic vote. The V is going to stand for value victory in Christ. Value victory in Christ. Remember what Paul said. You were dead in your trespasses. You've been made alive in Christ. You've been sealed in Christ. And so we value victory in Christ because of when I read the end of this book, it has nothing to do with Republican, Democrat, or a nation. It all has to do with bringing glory to, the, to Jesus Christ and God the Father. So value victory in Christ. The second thing is the O, offer words of encouragement to others. Let's find a way to offer words of encouragement to somebody. The third thing, the T, tell others of your hope in Jesus. I'm pretty sure it's not as important to tell of your hope in Jesus Trump or Biden or, or any of the other characters that will show up on the ballot, it's most important that you tell others about your hope in Jesus. Because that's where true hope is. Then the E is exceed the expectations of the world. Exceed the expectations of the world. See, those that don't know Christ expect you to do certain things. Uh, they they expect way more of those that claim to know Christ than those that don't, and they expect you to live an exemplary life, and their life may be in shambles, but we all are in this together, and we all struggle with different pieces. It's like the, the class that's going to begin in November called Relatable. We all struggle in Relationships. So if we talk about relationships, that's, that's an area that we could all use help in, yet we want to appear as if we've got it all together. So we are not a whole lot different from the world outside of the church, except for we know that once we were dead in our trespasses, well, we've been brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ. And so we can exceed the expectations of the world because voting is influence. We need to use our vote wisely. A couple things as we wrap up. One, we can pray for our country, our churches, and our influence. Because you have influence. You will affect the world by your vote. You can affect this church by your vote. So pray, pray for different parts of what you're involved in, but pray for places that you're not involved. I, I was um, in a conversation over the last couple of days about former staff members that that have COVID. One of them's in the hospital, and you know I'm still connected connected to them need to pray for them, but also pray for the churches that they influence. And so we have a chance to pray. And then we also have the blessing of being able to um, influence those around us and share with them the hope that that we have because we're removed from the penalty, the liability, if you will, of the wrath of God. The penalty of our sin because of what Jesus did. So, if you're in here and you don't know Jesus Christ, today would be a great day to invite Him in and experience the freedom that comes in trusting Christ as Savior. See, it's a way to vote. And I want to encourage you to vote. So, let's pray. And um, when we're done praying, this altar will be open. I would encourage you to come and pray for our country, pray for our churches, pray for people that you know. And just ask God to do a work. And then I'll be here at the front if you would like to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. I want to give you the opportunity to say, Hey, I want to, I want to know more about what it means to have a relationship with Christ. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for our time this morning. We thank you for Paul's, um, Paul's writing in this chapter that reminds us that you are in charge of the church and we are adopted into your body, into your family. Out of the wrath and penalty of our own sin and the pattern that we were in before, you brought us close to you. And allowed us to have a new kind of citizenship. And so, Father, as we celebrate that, we also realize that that the world around us appears to be crumbling as this nation struggles. And so, Father, we come before you realizing and recognizing that you are our only hope. And so, God, we ask that you would do a work. We thank you for this time. Continue to speak to us Even during this time of commitment, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand? And as God leads you, this altar will be open, and I'll be down front if anybody wants to receive Christ as Savior this morning. I'm
2: forgiven because you were forsaken. I'm accepted. You were condemned, I'm alive and well, the Spirit is within me, because you died and rose again. Amazing love, how can it be that you, my King, would die for It's my joy to honor you. In all I do, I honor you. You are my King. You are my King. Jesus, you for me amazing love i know it's true it's my joy to honor you in all i do
4: i honor you god we thank you for this opportunity to worship and to celebrate and to think about what life was like before Christ, what life is like in Christ, and, and God, what uh, the hope is that we have who are in Christ already and what our eternity looks like. And so, Father, as we leave this room, help us to vote and to influence the world around us for the cause of Christ. God, thank you for our time again this morning. May you be blessed and honored and lifted up through us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Guys, good to see you. We'll see you Wednesday night.